Okay, welcome back to all of our podcast listeners. We are PJ's Black Circle back and on the attack. We've got Wes. We've got Greg. We've got Nino. We've got Eddie Vedder. And this whole podcast is going to be about laying some love out for the lead singer of our most favorite band, Pearl Jam. It's almost like, how much do I love Eddie Vedder? Let me count the ways. I've got too many ways. Right, Wes? Right, Greg? There's just too many ways to love this guy. Yeah, it almost feels like this is uh, many weeks too late. Like, it should have been the first episode, Eddie. I know, right? Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yep. But um, we do it out of not being, again, like we talked about maybe, what, second or third episode in our first season. We're, you know, not the psycho stalker come to your house crazy fans that you know we don't we don't want to burden at bed with that we know he's not much into how shall we say praise you know he doesn't like to be doted on but we're gonna do it anyway and it's all out of respect for the musicality that he has given to us over the past three decades plus so i'm just gonna jump right into it Wes, let's start with you, brother. Hit me with some ideas, some feelings, some thoughts. Well, let me get just, I wanted to, I've been reflecting a bit this week on the topic. And if it's okay, I just want to get something off my chest a little bit here, Nino and Greg. Do it. You said that Eddie doesn't like to be doted over, but, you know, I have to say, like, for the last 15 years, 20 years, almost, yeah, 20 years. You know, there's been a lot of movement. I've I've done I've changed a lot as far as who I am and kind of how I think and moved around a lot and um, you know started a family and have kids and wife and new jobs and so it's constant change. But honest reflection, like the one thing that's always remained consistent and the one thing that's always remained like in my life is Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder. So I just wanted to take a quick moment to say that because it was kind of shocking. Like I've had a lot of things have happened in the last 15 years, 20 years. But the one thing that's always been there, man, is I can always count on Ed to bring me home. So when you say he brings you home, what is what does he do for you? How does he really make you feel? Yeah, he just gets me like into a, a, a like a Zen place. Like you were mm-hmm. before we started, you had some Eddie on the background, like automatically I was having a little bit of a rough day today and it kind of <laughs> brought me into a more a more zen place and I it just it doesn't it doesn't fail if I drive in my car like put on daughter that'll make me feel good or whatever so it's, yes uh yeah and that's it's just I don't have any other good way to say it except just the way he has impacted my life it's there's no words to really explain it but Okay, so all I need you to do this week is figure out how to make a little bumper sticker for the three of us that says, be more like Ed. And so anytime you're feeling down, you just kind of have that at the front of your keyboard and you look down and you just be more like Ed, be a little more chill, you know, bring yourself back into that happy place. Yeah, man, um, I'll I'll go here next, but I want to, after Greg, I want to kind of, Greg, tell me about Edved, dude. Tell me about what he does for you. Tell me about maybe the first time you saw him live. 
Give me something. Well, the first time I ever heard Pearl Jam, I wasn't sold. You know, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a, the live video on MTV. Mm-hmm. I was like, these guys are never going to make it. Never. Not in the, in the world of MTV the way it was at the time. Sure. And, uh, but it kind of grew on me. And so I went out and bought 10, you know, bought the CD and uh, brought it home. And then I started listening to it. And I'm like, oh my God, is this guy live inside my brain? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Is he, how is he getting all this out of, you know, it's basically he's living in there speaking for me. Right. You know, Cause we basically had like a, a really similar growing up where, you know, the loss and the, you know, right. And, uh, so it, the, a lot of his lyrics and stuff are like, they're like my soul, you know, they're like, seriously, like, I don't know if it can get any closer. It's like if my soul had a soundtrack. It would be Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful, man. You were saying that the other day, too. Yeah. It's like, it's the soundtrack to my soul. Is that, that's it. I mean, I can just put it on 10 or any, any of the records, you know, and uh, just go right there. And it's like, boom, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He's amazing. What do you think about that, Wes? How you think he hit it right on there? Yeah, he did. I mean, it, pff, that's that's how I feel too, man. Like, I don't, I definitely don't have the same personal experiences that he's had or you've had. But, mm-hmm. um, man, yeah, I mean, I think we all feel the same way. Like something about the way he shares his his journey he, and he pours it out there. Yeah, man. he and does. There's, and there's it, nothing. And when he does it live, it's like, oh my god, I get the gooseies like hard. I mean, right. like. <laughs> yeah yeah bro get after it that's what i'm talking about so g money remember how long how many years ago was were those solo eddie vetter shows we went to like 10 oh the ben arroyo yeah like probably what yeah 11 the back-to-back shows yeah yes so those are both amazing we had a very religious experience i don't know how i pulled it but i got Two nights in a row, downtown Seattle, Ben Royal Hall, solo Eddie Vedder shows. And we had the farthest from the stage seats you could possibly get. It was yeah, like in the back. Third, third tier, last row, back is up against the wall. But the <laughs> yeah. way he Oh my God, dude. Even though he was so far away, he was so close. And well, that place is amazing because the acoustics are made for orchestra, you know. So it's like he could he could be he could have done that thing without electricity, and it would have been just as good. Well, wouldn't that that have been crazy? Yeah, like yeah. no lights, no nothing, just Ed and his yeah. uke. Yeah. So it, it's it's amazing because I was very interested to see what a solo Eddie Vedder show would would be, what that experience would be, because. Up to that point, it had always just been the band, which is a mm-hmm. whole different electric vibe. And so I I knew it was going to be amazing. I was very stoked, but I, I was like, is he just going to play the acoustic guitar the whole time? Is he going to play electric? Is he actually going to have mm-hmm. some of the band show up? Like, how is this really going to work? Right. And I just remember, I don't think I blinked for like two hours. I'm sitting forward in yeah. my chair and he's mm-hmm. just tearing through Pearl Jam and he songs. So good. Oh my god. Oh my he's god. Just amazing at the time. And I at that moment, I had uh, a whole new appreciation for his playing of the guitar. 
So one of the things that stands out to me about Eddie is my main man, Ed, he's got a strong right hand. You know what I'm saying? His pimp hand is strong. Okay. (laughs) And so when he plays the guitar, I, I am actually looking at his right hand, his strumming and his finger picking, you know, he, Mm -hmm. he can he can work through the chords but I was so impressed at his ability to just, he doesn't play with a pick when he, you know, plays the acoustic very much. It's all with his hands. It's all with his fingers and he's hitting every note and he's strumming perfectly and he can, he can do you soft. He can do you hard, you know, and (laughs) either way, man, it just, it was so amazing. So that was one thing in this evolution of my, man love or my appreciation for this guy is not only how the songs have changed over time, but his ability to still pull these emotions out. And it doesn't matter if it's with a ukulele. Now he's busting out the organ, right? Yeah. He's he's rocked the harmonica. I've seen him play electric guitar. I've seen him get behind the drum kit before. And so just what's that little stomp box thing that he was. Yes. With his foot. What what was that thing called? A cajon? Yeah, he's working on that, and it's like I'm watching a video kind of in the background, and he, he's making it out of a Corona box, which is even better. Yeah. And Wes, I know we've talked about a little when we first saw Pearl Jam come out. It's all just Eddie on the mic, no instrument. He's not up there with a the guitar. He's just up there with the mic. So did you ever think here, Wes, that seeing these early videos with Eddie... Did you ever think you would actually see him evolve into a guitarist the way he's evolved to now? Or did you just think in the beginning, like it's a one trick pony and he's just going to tear the mic every time? Yeah, I think you've even touched on this before where it was different. It was unique to have a five piece band, right? Two guitars, two really prominent guitars, right? Mike and Stone. Yes. And then you throw another guitar in there which i think when that started was that with vitalogy when we started to see ed and the guitar right so um yeah i mean i think he's always been able to play i guess mike i wanted to bounce a question off you guys was do you think just by osmosis he's improved his guitar ability or do you think stone and mike have kind of taught him a bit um, touring and things like this. I have to imagine, right? That he's gotten some lessons well, yeah, from those guys. Yeah, you have to. I mean, have to, right? On. 25 years, 30 years with the same band. Right. And, and you right. always progress, you know? But to answer your question, yeah. no, I, I I don't, when I listen to Pearl Jam's albums, I don't usually associate Ed with the guitar. No. Um, right. I don't. It's usually just him with the mic. And I don't, I can't tell. I cannot tell on any like rear view mirror. I think he actually does the intro to rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. So yep. I cannot tell unless I watch it live, who's doing what. Sometimes I can tell if stone's doing it like the intro. Cause he's on the left side, right? He's always on the left side uh, or the right side. You'll hear him on the right side. Excuse me. But I think he, he does a lot of the guitar in Lucan too. The guys, uh, I mean, the guy is unbelievably talented, uh, but you're right. He gets most of his, his praise for his vocals abilities, but yeah, he can definitely play. Well, you know, they're supposed to be this, you know, I think like the 5th of May, you know, they're doing this world global citizens concert. That's I think going to be happening actually in Levi stadium coming up. 
So it's the first live, actually live fans in this new stadium that they built for the Rams, right? And it's going to hold like 70,000 people. Now, I don't think they're going to have 70,000 people out there for this show because it's a week from now and we're still battling this whole COVID crap. But it's just going to be him. And so he's evolved now where he's not just excelling, but he's he's headlining so many amazing concerts where it's just him. And then maybe he has someone else and comes out and does a collaboration with him. Now he is going to be there with the Foo Fighters. He is going to be there with uh, A-Rod's ex, uh, J-Lo. So what do you think, <laughs> man? Maybe a little, maybe a little J-Lo, Ed Ved. No. Dave Grohl <laughs> trio, you think? What do you think? <laughs> no. Greg's like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was surprised no. when he was up there with Beyonce when, you know, she came out uh, for Global Citizen. Well, she's the queen bee, so yeah, she, she can do whatever she wants. Well, she, I mean, okay. All right. Let's hash it out right now. You want J-Lo or you want Beyonce? I think Beyonce over, over J-Lo anyway. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I think we got a Beyonce crew over here. So. Let me ask you guys a question because <laughs> you guys both kind of watched Pearl Jam kind of uh, progress more thoroughly than I did earlier on. Like, did you guys know how good he was? Did he set himself apart from, I know him and Kurt, Kurt was obviously a huge front man. So how was he in the early stages compared to the other, you know, lead guys, whether that's Lane or, or, or Jeff? I think uh, he, I think he was more, more um angsty definitely um especially live it was like right he was bouncing all over the place jumping climbing on rafters jumping off shit you know that was a pearl jam show when he went to go see pearl jam you saw eddie vetter hanging from rafters and jumping off speakers and and smashing his mic into the ground you know like a like a who concert really mm-hmm. you know he's gotten a lot mellower now <laughs> yeah, he has gotten a lot mellower because in the be- in the very beginning, you know, what was what really enticed me about him, there was the music, but he kind of perfected. I don't know if he perfected it or it was just natural, but he always kind of had that crazed kind of look in his eye. Yeah. Right? He always had mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. weird yeah, side open. sideways glance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, is this guy gonna like bite my head off? What's gonna happen? And he's gnarl his teeth and he's got that crazy growl like when he's working through uh the song what like blood like just take a song like that extraordinarily difficult to sing a song like that the way that he sings it so i do miss a little bit some of that craze kind of look in his face that you're just like i don't know what he's gonna say or what he's gonna do but I know it's just going to knock my socks off. Right. But, but that's when he's in the zone, man. Like mm-hmm. you see that a yeah. bit on, on porch for the unplugged. Like you see a little of the crazy eyes and it's like, that's when he's at his yeah. best. Yeah. I love that crazy. If you, yeah. you want to see it in it's, <laughs> in it's, in it's awesomeness is, is 1992 pink pop. Yes. Oh, yes. That footage is amazing. Yeah. He's just it, all over that huge stage running yeah, up great. and down. Yeah, that that show is crazy where he gets up on the boom mic and he jumps out into the crowd. Oh, yeah. It's a little scary because, you know, a lot of people go down and he gets people to get back up on their feet. Yeah, no fear. Imagine being on stage and I don't know, say being like Matt Cameron or Dave Ambrose and 
Mr. Irons behind the drum kit and you know, your lead singer's just yeah. kind of like monkey barring it o- over your head. You're like, please <laughs> God, let us make it through one more show because the way that they were playing could any day could have been the last. The I know. <laughs> yeah. Monkey barn across the rafters. That's awesome. One quick thing I do want to say just to enhance the persona of Ed as we will continue through this podcast to do. And who knows, people at home, this this could be a one podcast. This could take us two to get through because there's just so much we need and want to talk about. But have you ever seen a guy be able to perform and jump and go crazy the way that he does in brown boots? Right. Right. He doesn't wear tennis shoes, dude. Like, yeah. it's just a total Northwest thing. I just always notice that about him. It's just like, he's always got his boots on. And I don't know about you, but I've worn boots like that. I'm like, I could not go out and do a three hour concert and jump around. And so I don't know how the fuck that guy does it, but I can barely walk in those things, man. They're, <laughs> they're clunkers. Crazy eyed, strong right hand, brown boots. I mean, it's a recipe for success right there. <laughs> All right, Wes, hit me with some goods, man. Yeah, I was going to ask, you always hear stories of like top athletes, you know, where they have, a, you know, they have a difficult upbringing, not coming from a great area, but they always try to use that as like a chip on their shoulder to, to really excel and, you know, to always fight. And I've done, you know, done a little bit of research. I've always put myself back into a place like when I was in high school, I would, I was in library class. I would do some research on Ed and he had some tough stuff going up, growing up, but I have to imagine he probably still wears some of that stuff on his sleeve, every single performance. Like he's out to prove something to everybody, you know, just because of where he came from and what he had to deal with and, um, you know, not really you know, being successful early on. And then like right now he's, I, I, I get, I bet you he doesn't take anything for granted. That's why these guys don't sell any, any concerts out. Like it's what I mean by sell it. They don't shoo it in, dude. Like these guys, no, even if it's like rural Oklahoma, these guys are going to go put on a show that you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So I don't know if it's their upbringing or his upbringing or if it's him that's driving that, but I just wanted to ping that off you guys. I think what's cool is that, very generally speaking, the interwoven fabric of who you truly are inside is never really going to change. Your experiences are going to change. Like you said, you know, you know, your life's going to change. Maybe take on a new job, you take on a different role. But I think deep down who you are is who you are. And when I'm asking uh, some of the family here and around my house, I was going around this whole week like, what do you like about Eddie Vedder, right? And for us, you know, the, us three dudes that are doing this podcast, it, it's a multitude of different things. A, a, a massive chunk of it, obviously, is the music. But when I'm asking a lot of the female contingency that's around me, they never bring up the music to start. It's always personality based. Mm-hmm. And one thing my wife said, which really kind of, hit home was the fact that he just seems real. He doesn't seem fake. And that that's important to a lot of people. He doesn't, like you said, he doesn't shoo it in. He doesn't just mm-hmm. phone at home, right? Everything 
he gives is really from his heart. And a lot of people mention his philanthropy and just the multitude of different things that he does for people that are less fortunate and the different organizations that he works for. So it's really pretty cool that you, not only do you have a person that's very obviously talented and a worldwide renowned rock star, but you've got this person who like genuinely gives a shit and every conversation I've seen him have with people over the past 10 years, like you said, Wes, before it's well thought out. He's, you know, everything he is speaking about, you can really tell he, he feels what he's saying and it's, and it's genuine. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I mean, like you, we've talked about maybe the first few years were, you know, let's make a career out of this. But I, after they became successful, I think he turned it into how can I say and help people in yep. his, in, in the next 20 years of my life. That's how yeah. I truly think. Everything. He, yeah. Right. Environment, humanity, all of it. I don't think money has anything to do with what they're doing. No. At all. Not as much that's as they unique. give away. That's unique. Right? Yeah, that's unique. It's it's super unique. And, you know, I know they really try and keep, out of all major bands that sell out, they've realistically tried to keep their ticket prices under control. Um, I have yet to go to a $250 Pearl Jam concert face value like I've gone to a $250 fucking U2 concert. Yes, they put a spaceship in the middle of the field and it's like a million miles high and it's still one of the most bewildering shows I've ever seen live and you know where the money goes, but it goes to that spaceship. It goes goes. to the spaceship, man, (laughs) but every single ticket they still sell, you know, goes to the Vitalogy Foundation. It, mm-hmm. it it goes to homeless in Seattle. It'll go to local charities and basically they will cater the needs to whatever city they're in. So when they do go to Lincoln, Nebraska, and when they do go to Oklahoma there, Mr. Wessels, you know, mm-hmm. in your Midwest area, they're still going to crush, dude. And they're still going to give back. And the wish list is always at a show before. I mean, mm-hmm. the day before a show, wish list always puts on something, some kind of auction or something absolutely absolutely so maybe let's since we've been loving on a lot of ed's traits you know his chiseled features his deep growl his strong right hand his (laughs) ability to rock when he's just wearing you know a flannel long sleeve shirt and brown boots it's pretty amazing dude (laughs) I know I'm kind of going off right now. We're going to do some edits, but you know, I'm kind of watching him on TV right now. <laughs> and he's just up there on stage and he's just tapping his foot. He's got his electric going. He looks awesome with the long hair. And he's he just looks like Jesus. He, he does, does look, look like, like Jesus freaking right Jesus, dude, right there. He did. You know? um, look, yeah, he looks like the portrait what? of Jesus. Can we just like put a halo? Hallelujah. Dude, I swear to God, if he just came out in like a long white robe with just like a tie, like a rope tie around his waist. I've been fooling you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's been here the whole time, people. You just never knew that Jesus was amongst us. And we are not saying that to be offensive, but he is. He does give us this feeling like Look, what's right the there. Said, he's he's he, ta- he will take us to a spiritual place at times. And there's not a lot. Absolutely of performers that can do that. So one thing that 
I've always been impressed with is his lyrics, right? And oh, yeah. we're going to go out and say it, at least I am right now, that this guy is the musical poet laureate of our time. He truly is. And sure. For his ability to craft his lyrics, put it to song, get it out into the ether that's out there so we can all feel it and appreciate it. You know, I, I like all kinds of music, right? I'll get down on pretty much everything that's out there, but I think Wes kind of hit it on the head. When when I need to recenter, there's always my go-to, and it'll always come back to that. So do you guys have any, whether it's Pearl Jam songs or his solo stuff or maybe covers that he's done, any lyrics or songs that kind of still stick out to you or things that will kind of transcend you to a different place or really make you think in different ways? Yeah, the the song release. I mean, that's like the soundtrack <laughs> right. of my life. Tell me, tell me about that a little more. Yeah. Well, it's about you know, you know, his dad, his dad dies when he's young, and you know, and he lies awake at night and cries his eyes out, you know, screaming. Right. You know, I did that. I did those actual things in my life. Yeah. Did you feel when you heard that yeah. song to that? Oh yeah. Instant, instant tears, man. Oh yeah. And to, to this day, even talking about it, my, my goosies happen. My hair stands up on my arms and shit. Yeah. Cause it means that much to me, you know? Can you get through that song start to finish? Cause that is a tough song. Um, yeah. I mean, live. Oh, it sucks live. I mean, I, I'm a babbling. I look like a little girl that got her ponytail pulled, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> crying, dude. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, there's no stopping that, those tears. Cause those are real. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Wessels? What do you got? Oh boy. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great songs that get me emotional. Um, I'll go a different route here. Typically, and I've said this to a few of my, my clients, typically I will use Pearl Jam as a um, kind of like a, a pregame kind of lifter, I guess I'd call it before a meeting. Nice. So I'll throw in, even even now if it's, everything's virtual, but in the past I would I would always put in uh, either a live, mostly a live and kind of zip it to the, the solo and and I would use that for for that kind of adrenaline rush. But um, but Greg, my other thought was released too. And even though I don't have uh, I, I don't have that loss in my life, but release is always one that uh, centers me and really just kind of lets me reflect and appreciate my relationship with my father. And because it yeah. is so emotional, and um, I mean, it's just it, like I said, it's just so uh, it's so amazing that a, a guy that can be Writing, writing lyrics or, and helping write music and singing can be so influential to millions of people and in a wide range of people too. It's different, you know, male, female, that's ages. It's crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't make sense. Like he, right. how, how, how it works, but he yeah. does it, man. Maybe it's the surfer. Maybe it's got to be having to do with just like really being in touch with what moves you, right? I mean, there's... There's always been surfer music, 
I mean, we're not talking Dick mm-hmm. Dale surfer riffs, you know, that we're, we're tearing up right now, but he does have that really spiritual sense to him. He's got that surfer vibe, right? But he's, mm-hmm. he's evolved and now he's so multifaceted that this guy dresses up really well. You know, when I was watching a little bit of the video from the Hall of Fame where they got inducted, He's all black on black. Johnny Cash, baby. He's just all black on black on black. And the whole band's wearing black. And I was like, man, this guy looks fucking good, dude. And it's just Mm -hmm. like you don't really see him dressed up in that way. So I remember the first couple times I saw him like with a blazer on and stuff. I'm like, there's nothing that man can't do. He can pull. Even though I'm sure he, he can't wait to get out of it. You know, he's like, he's probably like, get me out of the monkey suit. But uh you know, he, he can pull off all the different looks. One thing I do want to transition to is talking a little bit more about some of his solo stuff that he's done. And, you know, I keep going back to the Into the Wild soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Love it. Right? Yeah, that's so great. Amazing, right? Rise. About... Rise. So good, dude. And mm-hmm. what's what's amazing about Rise, I'm glad you brought that one up, is... When I first turned that on, I was like, holy crap, dude, is this guy on a beach like with the ukulele right now? Because he's just Mm -hmm. he's playing the ukulele. Where the hell did this come from? And it sounds amazing because up up until that point, I never really heard him bust out the uke too much. If anything, he'd play like a smaller acoustic guitar uh, that would give a little bit more of that higher resonance and that higher tone. But when he's doing Rise... And he has so much deep passion going on and he's playing it to a ukulele. It was just like, wow, you know, I never really saw that coming. I I never saw that coming a mile away. So when he put it out there, I was just like, it took me a minute to process it because, again, changing the game. And I was like, well, this is a really different sound. And I'm sorry, I don't go to Hawaii very much. I know it's very popular out there and he's got a lot of friends out there and they're probably burning the midnight oil at the campfire busting out the ukulele around there. And, and so I can envision what's kind of cool is this real life world scenario of being out there in nature. A lot of these songs coming from his, not only his personal experiences, but really being out there in the world, which is a huge contributor to the success of that album, especially when you talk about, the main antagonist of the story, uh, Christopher McCandless, you know, this guy yeah. who yep. left Florida and went about as far from Florida as you can possibly get and took off into the, what, Alaskan wilderness. And I have uh, a hard time watching that movie. Because that's a crazy movie. Yeah. I'll tell you why. I love the movie, but I have a hard time with it because I first time I watched it, I was probably, I had just moved out to Washington. And so I was pretty close to Alaska. I mean, let's be honest, right? You're like, should I just keep going? <laughs> Dude, like, I, I was like, I came home from a long day at work and I was like, I have to watch this. And I already think I already had the soundtrack. And it's like, man, I want to, I think I said this on a prior episode. I just want to burn my social security card. Just do it. I just want to <laughs> yeah. do it too. Even though I would Check be out. I'd, I'd be dead in like 36 hours, but <laughs> it would have been worth it. Like... <laughs> Like the story in itself, and hopefully we can do a, a full maybe episode later on designated just to Into the Wild, but that 
then and the soundtrack is is just flawless in my opinion and he does a great job and a lot of them are i think are his original songs right yeah yeah absolutely and i love it what do you what do you love about it g money i that was like the probably the very first time i ever heard real i mean eddie vedder's solo to, to right. tell you the truth you know i think that's probably the only time i, I don't remember him ever releasing anything other other maybe like a, a song or two on other soundtracks but he did a whole the whole album hmm. and was and was awesome he definitely you know i don't see him soloing you know he's he's not going to take over mike's spot in the band anytime soon but mm-hmm. his contribution now pulling in three guitars man is just such a full sound but when you strip it down to bare bones and you just got our main man edved up on a stage or wherever with it him by itself it's just a whole new style of amazingness and it really f- forces you to focus on the lyrics. Right. Right. And, you know, I think what spawned after that was the last handful of Pearl Jam song or concerts I've been to, there's a designated yeah, that Ed, section. Ed, a section just with Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Ed and some violins. Acoustic. Yeah. So I don't know if that gave birth to that, that little, um, you know, piece of the uh, concert that he's like, Hey, let me take a few minutes here, but it's a second. That, encore. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. It's terrific. Yeah. Terrific. I'm sure it gave him the confidence to know that he could, that he could do it. Right. And that is true. Uh, a lot of times when you saw those little, definitely rest segments for the rest of the band where he would just come out there, even if you're in a stadium with 60,000 people, I can't imagine just exposing yourself in that manner and being out there where everyone is focused on you. But it really, when you take away all the extra noise of the band, yeah. not that it's noise, it really brings you into the content for which, you know, Eddie is speaking about, you know, in his lyrics. So there was a couple, um, you know, you brought up Rise, which was great. I love me some Guaranteed. Because again, he goes he goes really deep with his deep voice and guaranteed. You know, it's just <laughs> so good. And one line that always stood out to me is where he says, you know, I knew the rules, but the rules did not know me. And for whatever reason, that line in that song really sticks out to me personally. And it and it just kind of speaks about, you know, again, you know, Ed's very vocal about speaking his mind, about being able to say this is right, this is wrong. And even if there are rules in place, why are these rules here? Do they even make sense? So mm-hmm. what's cool with his music, it causes you to question a lot about what's going on in the world around you. Is this right? Is this fair? Is this appropriate? Most of the time, the answer is no, because when Ed's bringing it up, you know, obviously he's he has a point he's trying to make. So that one really sticks with me. And, you know, I do love that whole album. And it really I think that album really transitioned him to putting some of these other deeper songs in some of the Pearl Jam albums. Like, yeah, for sure. When he put Just Breathe out there. Mm -hmm. When I listen to Just Breathe, man, that's one of those songs I I, I just can't listen to too much. I, I love it, but it's just man, it's so emotionally taxing. You know, it's like release for you, Greg. You know, it's just like one of those things where the content of the song 
you know, really forces you to yeah. feel. And mm-hmm. and if you don't want to feel at that time, I mean, Ed's going to make you feel no matter what. Yeah. So it, it's the power of the music. Let's keep going for another 10. But I do feel like we have a lot more to talk about. So what do you guys want to bring up? What do you guys want to talk about? I was just listening to the Matter of Time EP from last year. And uh, that's pretty good. I mean, it's got some um, acoustic stuff on there. And uh, the actual song Matter of Time is perfect for the time we're living in. You know, if you listen to the lyrics, it's all about what we're going through right now as a society and as a world. You know, with this pandemic thing, I thought it was brilliant. Nice. Have you heard any of the other songs off that little EP that he's done? I have. I've heard. I've heard the whole thing. Um, How does it sound the same? Well, you know, the matter of time that little EP he put out because like, it's like got the like, acoustic songs and stuff. Yeah, because there's like what four or six songs on there, right? And yeah. so. I've only listened to the Matter of Time song. Now, my granted, uh, it is on order. Okay, so I've been kind of waiting. It's in the mail. You know, I'm waiting for, you know, PearlJam.com to send me my copy so I can just kind of like (laughs) delve into it, put the headphones on. So Mm -hmm. I haven't really gotten into that too much. So maybe when we come back and talk about Ed next week, I have a feeling we're really going to have to continue this some more. I, I would love to talk some more about that because... This guy is not stop writing music. And it makes no. me think of that one section in Pearl Jam 20. I think Wes was talking about it before, you know, where Stone is saying, wow, you know, Ed's got all these lyrics and he's got all these books. And just imagine what he's got left or in there that he hasn't even brought out yet. So part of me is always wondering, like, how much of it is new? Does he incorporate it into lyrics he's already written before so that's always kind of been like intriguing to me like what's coming around the band yeah and he just this guy is just not stopping well good you know? point you know and one of the things i wanted to bring up was is kind of tied is into that where um i think it was on storytellers he was they were talking about the song better man where i guess he had written that in his very young age it was in his early teens maybe 13 or 14 and didn't even bring it to the band until the third album. And even Stone kind of chuckled at that. He he said those exact like, well, what is this guy like holding on to that we don't even know about? Like he's got this thing, this masterpiece just stuffed away. Vault. Yeah, just stuffed away yeah. somewhere. And and so oh yeah, bro, you know, this is one I wrote when I was twelve. I'm check it out. <laughs> yeah, what yeah, like right. And you know, it's funny you bring up Better Man because Again, another differentiation of Eddie and the band of Pearl Jam. I, off the flying off the cuff, cannot really think of other singers, other male singers, and other male bands that take the female's yeah, point of view in a song, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. and it's a huge success. I mean, that song is just oh, yeah. very successful, and it's successful across all fabrics of the Pearl Jam con- contingency that's out there, young, old, male, female, the whole nine, right? And, you know, when I hear that song, it's still like one of those things I keep thinking about. I'm just like, wow, I mean, what a risk. Maybe he doesn't see it as a risk, but putting a song out there where you're speaking 
as you know a female lead in this crazy terrible story and Mm -hmm. being able to kind of put that out there it's just you don't really see that ever at least i can't think of another male singer right off the top of my head that will take that point of view and then run with that idea does that make sense yeah that song reminds me of my mom (laughs) yeah yeah it's so it's so crazy i i wonder if we could it'd be like the ultimate crazy long game it's like how do you take songs and lyrics from all pearl jam and you make your own like pearl jam diary about your life <laughs> i mean there's so much content out there oh that... i could totally do it uh, you could totally easy. do it man <laughs> easy you could totally happen so i know we've talked about his solo shows a little bit we've talked about what makes eddie amazing to us what do you guys think makes him such a striking figure maybe say like amongst his peers right what do you guys think it is about him where now you have so many different artists that are bringing him on stage doing collaborations headlining by himself bringing him into these major venues I mean, what, yeah. what's the deal with this guy? I think um, I think Ed, what makes him special, and the answer to that question, maybe, I don't know him. So I don't think he sees himself as others do. I think he still sees himself as just a guy, just like a dad, yeah. just a dad, yeah. just playing music. Play music. Yeah. Like he probably does the yard work at the house. Like, like he's just a dude. And I think that's what keeps him hungry and and not being so you know being vulnerable and going up and he's not doesn't feel like he's uh over doing things and yeah i think that's probably what it is i think he just sees himself as just a guy which is unique i agree yeah he's humble yeah. i think yeah. he's a very humble man god he just shreds he a... <laughs> so good i'm looking at him again right now he's just like he's just a beautiful acoustic. man right yeah he's just yeah. doing his thing up there well, I think what we need to do is uh, we're definitely going to have to reconvene for Eddie Vedder episode two. This is definitely going to have to be a two-parter because we haven't really even gotten into maybe some of our favorite collaborations he's done solo with other bands, his inspirations, what he's where he kind of oh, has come from. That's good. Right? That's good. Um, the, the cover songs. Yeah. The cover songs. The harmonica, the harmonica, the whole nine. And I think a fun thing we're going to do next week is Greg and I were joking the other day. Uh, we're going to do a little segment called the Pearl Jam pot pie. And yeah. if the band of Pearl Jam was a pot pie, <laughs> what part of the pot pie would Eddie be? What would Stone be? OK, that's what might be what would and something like that, because I'm not I don't want to give too much away, but it is a very simple recipe, but it's very mm-hmm. hearty and it's very pleasing. And I think <laughs> we're going to yeah. it's great for the soul. So stay tuned, everyone, for the next episode. We got some Pearl Jam pot pie on the way. It's going to warm you up. And uh, again, we want to give a shout out real quick. We with this podcast, like I've, I've said, you know, we do it for our own love of the band. But we want to give some shout outs uh, special to folks that have 
downloaded our podcast that are not even close to where we live. And since we don't have a ton of downloads, we're not asking for more downloads. But I believe the people in these areas of the world, if you're listening, you're going to know who you are. For instance, there was a download out in Iceland. Whoever you are, we're talking to you. You're probably the one or two people out there. So thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Iceland. We've got Spain. We've got South Korea. We've got France. We've got Mexico. We've got Sweden, Argentina, and Brazil. So for those of you that have listened to our show in the past couple weeks, we are talking directly to you, saying much love. We've got to give you props. And um, maybe we'll see you in the next uh, Pearl Jam mosh pit out here in Seattle when they come back. So much love to y'all. Much love to you, uh, Wes and Greg. Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We will see you next week. This has been another edition of PJ's Black Circle.